podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. It was only the heroics of Alison Becker and Chelsea's attack misfiring midweek that prevented the Reds from suffering a similar fate to their trip to the Etihad last weekend. It's clear that Klopp's side are in the midst of an unprecedented crisis. The games don't get any easier too, with the Reds welcoming league leaders Arsenal to Anfield this Sunday. Can Klopp draw a reaction from his team and set them up in a more effective way? Only time will tell. Joining me on the pod this week, however, to share his insight on what's been a terrific journey for Arsenal fans this season, and one that may yet end with the ultimate prize, I'm happy to welcome back freelance journalist and Arsenal fan, Adam Clancy. Welcome back, Adam. Thanks for having me. That's good to, good to speak to you. Um, I'm guessing we'll, we'll find you in a, in a jubilant mood, uh, given sort of the, the stage that we're in at the season, uh, and also sort of the, obviously Arsenal's position at top of the table. Um, feels like it's a while since we last spoke and some, the sides last met anyway. And, um, there's been a number of real, what I feel like a crunch games for Arsenal to have had to go through and, um, important wins that they've managed to dig out from here and there. And it, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, at this stage, um, just how you're feeling, how you think the fan base is feeling, have the nerves, uh, are the nerves firmly there about sort of maintaining this lead as you come into the business end of the season? Uh, I mean, just generally, how are fans feeling about this this journey you've been on this season? Um, well, it's it's been a little bit of a roller coaster at times. Um, we've had a couple of last minute winners, a couple of escapes. Um, that Reese Nelson goal against Bournemouth um, could go down in history potentially if we do win the league. That was ninety seven minutes on the clock in the game that we were very much fancied to win and uh, we were 2-0 down obviously and managed to pull three goals back in the last half an hour. It was, it was incredible and um, we've had a few like that. We've had a few, you know, nearly moments and you you know what it's like as Liverpool fans when you're up against Manchester City in, in a title race in the business end of the season, you've got to be near, nearly, if not perfect, to to lift that trophy and Man City are, are on a good run of form as well as us now as well. And, you know, coming into this weekend's game at Anfield, normally it would be a nightmare fixture for us, um, given the beatings that we have had um, in recent seasons. But, yeah. you know, we're so we're so pumped up now uh, as fans. We We look forward to every game. I think even this one... At Anfield, I think most fans would say they're looking forward to it, but there's there's still obviously going to be nerves there given the past records, 
and everything. But um, yeah, it's it's real crunch time now. We've got some difficult fixtures to come. We've got to go to Manchester City as well. Newcastle we've got to go to as well. We're banging form at the moment. So it, it could really go down to the last day of the season. Of course, yeah. Notice you didn't mention sort of going uh, and having to having to welcome Frank Lampard's Chelsea as part of that difficult run as well. We'll see. We'll sort of see sort of the impact he has uh, returning for the second time as a manager at, uh, at Chelsea. That, that, that that's a game that's coming up as well. But no, I think you're right. I mean, a lot a lot of the things you were talking about have been very familiar to to Liverpool fans over the past few seasons. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly when it comes to having to compete with Manchester City. I remember speaking to a lot of my. Uh, Friends grew up in North London who are Arsenal fans and just, uh, you know, partly sort of, you know, like being happy for them and things like that. I, I don't really have this animosity towards Arsenal that seems to exist on, on Twitter, uh, between, between the two fan bases, but, uh, yeah, happy for them, but also happy that someone else gets to experience the, uh, the anxiety as well that, that goes into competing in this, in this way for a title, uh, when, when the margins are so fine. And I think you mentioned a couple, you know, key things there around the games where you're not going to play as well as you'd hope, games where you're going to go behind, those late goals, those the, 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 those winners, the the ability the ability to turn around uh, games in difficult circumstances, even when you're missing players, that's absolutely crucial to uh, not only maintaining your your position at the top of the league, but also just for you know, dispiriting the opposition. Right? I remember there used to be plenty of times where. Uh, I can imagine sort of late Liverpool wins that were we maybe played the early fixture, and just you, you just hoped that there were Man City players, coaches watching those games and being annoyed that sort of Liverpool had, had once again found a way to to pull out a win and sort of that would frustrate the opposition as well. So I think that's a really key key theme there. And I mean, in terms of the season um, as a whole so far, and, and looking at it's a lot of green when you look at the fixtures in terms of the wins that. Um, Arsenal have put up this season. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of focus on certain players about how influential they've been for for Arsenal this season. But if you had to pick three players that you think have been absolutely integral to what Arsenal have done this season, and perhaps there's even a player in there that you think hasn't uh, uh, gotten some of the praise that he deserves, who would those players be? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Um, well, that's a tough one because literally from 1 to 11, yeah. everyone yeah. has been absolutely outstanding as a team as well as as well as individual collective players. I think the one standout performer probably on everyone's lips is probably Bakayo Saka, just because, you know, being the young English player as well, he's looked up to by by the country as well as Arsenal fans. And 
he's really gone up another level this season. Even from last season, he was brilliant. But this season, I think he's got 12 goals, 10 assists in the Premier League. The first player to get double figures in both metrics. And yeah, he, he's just a joy to watch. He's unbelievable for his age, 21 years of age still. An unbelievable talent we've got there from Hairland and he's someone that really is the face of the project because we haven't had to spend a penny on him and you know what what sort of market value would he have in today's market especially if he you know room to be signing a new contract with us as well new long-term contract on big money he's got to be a hundred million pound plus player right there that we've just bought up from the academy he's been exceptional um I'd say Martin Odegaard as well has to get a mention. Um, I know he won the London uh, Player of the Year um, at the recent awards. Um, he's been, again, exceptional. He's the heartbeat of the team. Uh, captain, a real, real leader. And his quality on the ball is, is outstanding as well. Some of the touches he makes. He sees the passes that not many other players see. You know, he's been compared to Kevin De Bruyne this season, which is, you know, the highest accolade you can have as an attacking midfielder, I think. I think De Bruyne, for me, is probably the best in the world at this moment in time, and Erdegaard's not far off him at the moment, testament to how well he's playing. And the third player, I'll probably give it to uh, Alexander Zinchenko, to be fair. Um, A new signing at the club at the start of the season. I could have easily said uh, Gabriel Jesus as well um, for what he's given us in attack, that extra dimension, that extra you know, magic yeah. flair, Brazilian flair in, in the side and his work rate as well. But I think Zinchenko completely transforms the way we play as well. Uh, he starts off at left back, but more often than not, he's playing left central midfield or, or left attacking midfield. Um, and he really helps us flood flood that midfield, flood the middle of the park, gets us ticking. Um, and he again, technically, he's he's outstanding. I remember reading a quote, I think it was from Carl Walker, when they were both at Man City. And bear in mind, they had the likes of De Bruyne, David Silva there, Bernardo Silva. And he said Zinchenko is um, the best technically at the club you know, for a left back and you can really see he he is outstanding and the way he can, you know, drift into midfield. I think he's obviously Arteta's learned a lot from Pep Guardiola, of course, in that sense, but I think we're gonna see more and more teams try that full back into inverted midfield position over the next few years because, you know, the top two teams in the country are doing it and doing it so well this season and And yeah, um, I'd say those three, but as I said, every single one of them have been outstanding. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, I think it's whenever there's a team that's putting together a title charge, it, it generally is the sense that it's, it is the team. It's the system that's functioning, uh, to its optimum. And I think, uh, I think one thing I saw that was interesting recently was that Liverpool, their record against the top six this season is actually like quite good. Obviously, we got hammered by Man City recently, but so the 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 record is actually quite strong in comparison, certainly in comparison with last season. Weirdly, uh, and it just shows you, I think that you know, in those one-off games, 
You've got brilliant players on your team. You can win those games. You, 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 just like in cup competitions as well, you can have success. But to have success in the league, it needs to be that team unit, that system is functioning well and it's healthy. And I think that's that's I think a massive difference between Liverpool and Arsenal this season is that Liverpool system is broken because they decided not to buy a midfield. And Arsenal system, everybody's contributing. Like you said, everybody's difficult to pick those players that you want to highlight there. But yeah, thank you for doing it. And Zinchenko, I mean, that's an interesting one as well, because I think it's it's a debate Liverpool fans have had for a little bit over the past few years. Is of course Guardiola famous for using his fullbacks like that to to, to bolster in the midfield and you know, benefiting from technical midfielders, uh, sorry, fullbacks like uh, Alaba, Lam. Uh, you think about sort of the the way in which he'd used uh, a player whose name is completely uh, abandoning me at the moment uh, in, in terms of the uh, the fullback that was sold to Bayern Munich. It'll come back to me, but um, the, the way in which Guardiola has done it, you can see Arteta the clear influence there. And actually, what's interesting is that Liverpool have done the same thing for many years as well. And actually, I wonder whether or not Liverpool tweaking their system to try and be even more like that, to try and figure out, okay, how can we get those one or two, three more points difference to 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 keep pace with City? Obviously, we've seen Trent um, regularly you know, appearing in that role, very advanced in mid in midfield. One thing that's come up a lot this season for Liverpool, of course, is that you know Trent's received a lot of criticism. Uh, and I think some of it quite unfair, to be honest, about sort of uh, his defensive side of the game. But when you're talking about fullbacks who come up into midfield and are, are there to try and bolster the team creatively, uh, the way in which Zinchenko is doing as well, I think what we see in, in Liverpool is a lot of teams targeting that space, right? They they, they look at it and go, that's where we're going to hurt Liverpool because they know that the midfielder who's in front of Trent won't do the tracking work. I, I just wondered, like, has that been... It doesn't seem like that's been an issue for Arsenal in terms of, you know, Zinchenko regularly appearing quite high in midfield. Uh, teams haven't um, looked to target that. I mean, in terms of sort of what you, where you have seen teams have joy against you this season, are you surprised more's not been, been made of that? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think the reason why Zinchenko can go into midfield is because of the defenders behind them that do such a good job as mm. well. Um, I think I read a stat that um, William Saliba, who you know might not be available at Anfield, we don't know at the time of this recording, but he's a massive player for us. Um, his speed, his again technic- technicality on the ball, like it seems like every single one of our players on our team are so good on the ball, so comfortable on the ball that they can get out of tight spaces and. When Zinchenko does go into midfield, you've got Ben White, who's naturally a centre-back playing that right-back, and you've got Saliba and Gabriel and them three as a unit. You know, stay back, do the dirty work yeah. with the team that allows Zinchenko to go past the likes of Partey and even Xhaka at times. And mm. I think... And Partey and Xhaka are like sweeping up as well, aren't they, behind him, if he does sort of get advanced, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, although Xhaka's... Obviously, playing a more advanced yeah. role this season, <laughs> playing a number eight to a number ten to an extent role. Um, he's got got a lot more goals and assists to his name because of it. But yeah, I think I think teams need to exploit that more. If you want, as as much of it pains me to say, if you want if you want to get at Arsenal, I think the perceived weakness would be in Zinchenko's position when he does go forward. 
Um, there have been teams that have been able to exploit that at times this season, but um, nowhere near enough, I don't think. Um, and we've got, uh, I think it's the second best defensive record in the league yeah. behind Newcastle. Um, but even so, if you do get in that space, then you've got, you know, big Gabriel to deal with these, you know, six foot plus Brazilian defenders come on leaps and bounds in the last few months. Um, and it's really, really intimidating to play against. And then if you get past Gabriel, then you've got Salibos, you know, equally as intimidating. You've got Party dropping back. You've got Ben White helping out. And if we need to, then we've got Ramsdale, who's pulled off a lot, lot of really important key saves at times this season as well. So, yeah, i definitely say if you want to get at this Arsenal side, you should be targeting that space that Zinchenko leaves. But at the same time, then you've got, you know, three or four other brilliant defenders to try and deal with. So yeah. that's the beauty of the system, I guess. No, it's just, it's just, it's just really obvious to me in terms of like seeing the way in which Arsenal play and the similarities between sort of the way in which Liverpool played over the past few years and City have played, of course. And that's, that's one thing that they all shared to how they're trying to use their fullbacks and, the, the big the big difference to me is just Arsenal and City do it, uh, and their midfield actually bothers to help the defense. So, like as you mentioned, when when Gabriel and Saliba are having to deal in those situations where someone has exploited that space, it's very very rarely one v one. I'd say there's always there's always some cover to try and help, and they are good one v one defenders anyway. But I think that's the big difference I've noticed this season with Liverpool is that in the past when it was somebody would get into that space. Uh, you'd have, you know, you'd have, not Virgil on that side, but you'd have Matip or, I mean, you have Canate as well, but there'd also be Fabinho back there. Um, Henderson, when he had the legs to do it, was also back there as well. And that's just not been, not been the case this season. So, it, yeah, I do wonder. I mean, it seems if, if Liverpool are aware of sort of how that's a weakness in their system, uh, but I, I think there's, I, I'd hope that they're trying to get Mo Salah into that space, um, on the, on the weekend or whoever sort of drifts across to, to that side. Uh, in terms of looking at the season and then like key, really key, uh, wins for you, like key performances. One that stood out to me a lot, I have to say, was the, uh, the win against Aston Villa away from home. And I think it's maybe it's because there were some parallels. I was noting when Liverpool went to Aston Villa, uh, and, and won very, very late on in, in the title winning season. I think Mane got that glanced header, uh, Liverpool were. Uh, one nil down and scored two goals in the last, I think it was like 10 minutes or something to, to win that one. That felt really, really significant uh, in terms of the title charge when Liverpool were going for it. And watching that Aston Villa game and the way in which things went, uh, and it felt as though that could easily have gotten away from Arsenal. And the end, to actually come out in the end 4-2 winners, uh, and, and, and run away with it in the way in which you did after what was, I think, the only tricky patch you had in the season where there was those, Three losses, one draw, uh, the loss to City in the Cup, the loss to Everton away from home, a draw against Brentford, the loss to City um, at home. That was probably the point where I think teams were, were thinking, are Arsenal going to wobble here? Are they, is it going to get to them, this, this, this pressure? So to come back in what was a difficult game and win in the way in which you did, I thought that was particularly significant. But I mean, in terms of the other games for you that you felt have been, you know, the, the real key games this season, not in terms of just you know coming back and things like that, but also just the games you've enjoyed the most as well. Like, what would those be? Uh, there's 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 been quite a few. The, <laughs> yeah. the, game, the Villa game, as you mentioned, um, 
was very, very, very important. Um, as you said, because of the the poor run really by the standards we'd set that we'd been on, and when we went down one nil, I think it was only five minutes in. Ollie Watkins were thinking, "Here we go again." Um, and managed to pull it back, but then we got pegged back again. Um, and it was two one, then it was two two, and it was two two in injury time. And you know, some some Arsenal fans might have been thinking, you know what, we're going to have to just take the point here and stop the rot. We've been behind twice, but um, Jorginho of of all of all people, who a, a lot of Arsenal fans criticised his signing um, when he came in, um, and he's done a really good job for us when Thomas Partey hasn't been fit. But um, you know, Jorginho lashing a 25-yarder and it goes off the back of who else but Emmy Martinez as well, who um, who left the club um, just a couple of years ago. Um, he couldn't have written a better script, to be honest. Um, and then Martinelli obviously going through when Martinez had been sent up. Uh, for the corner, and he, you know, celebrated famously before he tapped into an empty net. So that was obviously a lovely, lovely um, game to be an Arsenal fan for that game. I, I don't think we've dropped points um, since that game in the league. Um, we've been on such a good run, um, and that, you know, was the that was the start of it. Um, but in terms of other games, um, I think famously. Our record in London is very, very good this season. Um, we haven't conceded when we've gone to a London ground yet. Um, uh, we've won every game to nil, I think. And um, West Ham is the only one we've got left who we're playing after Liverpool. Um, and, you know, that includes Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. We've had some good results recently, but... Uh, historically has been a doom crowned for us and obviously winning at Spurs as well from especially what happened in April when um, we sort of capitulated really, you know, conceding a penalty, going a man down and ended up losing that crucial game 3-0 and it was ultimately decisive in the top four race and then, you know, going there just a few months later and we completely dominated that game. We, we, were so far superior on the ball. Um, we we could have we could have won more than than two nil. Honestly, it could have been three or four by half time. Um, and yeah, that was obviously a proud moment to be a fan um, because of that. But I think in terms of other games, I'd probably highlight um, our waveform in general. I'd say. You know, games against really tough teams like Brighton, Brentford, Fulham recently, we've made all of these teams look pretty ordinary on their own patch. And these are all very, very good teams that Brighton especially are, you know, fighting for top four. Um, and we went to their place and we got a goal, goal up in just a couple of minutes. I think we were three goals up at some point as well. And, you know, these are games that, Crucially, Manchester City have to play as well. They've got to go to Brighton. They've got to go to Brentford. I think they've got to go to Fulham as well. And those three teams all in the top half of the table. They, If Manchester City get nine points from those games, then fair enough. We've got a real race on our hands. But it's those really tough games for me 
um because at home you know you can you can lift your performances up 10 20 percent because of the crowd and everyone sort of up for it against anyone really but it's those away games if you look at the away table arsenal are our top and our top by a, a good few points and i think that's what's made us in the position that we are is that we're so fearless away from home and we've put in so many good performances hello i'm here to annoy you I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, of course, that away form is absolutely crucial. Again, that's one of the big, there's many differences between the two sides this season, but I think that's, that's one thing that's been particularly poor for, for, for Liverpool is the, their away form and the lack of ability to just, just control games away from home, which again, I think it, a lot of it annoyingly does point to the same reasons around the, around the midfield. But I wanted to talk on the, the, the new signings that have come in. We've sp- spoken about some of the players that you think have been key to, Arsenal's success this season, and, and you know, some of them have had their their moments and you know, had their absences. Gabriel Jesus as well. I think lots was made about his early season goal scoring, but I think in in the end, it's actually been the work rate and the sort of the positional and the tactical work that he does for the team that's actually ended up being um, even more important than the goals that he's he's got because the goals actually have people have chipped in across the whole the whole team. But I wanted to talk about some of the players that have come in. Um, this season, um, you mentioned Zinchenko already. Fabio Vieira seems to have had a few, uh, a few appearances here and there. Uh, Jorginho, as you mentioned, uh, a signing that really, def- um, sort of divided fans because I think it was clear that Arsenal wanted to, yeah, maybe go for Casado from Brighton, uh, and that didn't end up, uh, coming to fruition. It's actually one that I'm hoping Liverpool try and sneak, <laughs> sneak in the summer, though it's not going to be cheap by the looks of it, especially if Brighton finish, uh, above Liverpool. Uh, and Trossard, who, yeah, from Brighton, who has come in, uh, who I think has actually, I think people really underrated the, the impact he was going to have. I think he's, he's fit like a glove, to be honest, in terms of the role that Arteta's had for him. So I just wanted to ask you just your, your thoughts on those, on those signings that have come in this season and, uh, the way in which they've, they've, they've contributed. Yeah, um, so we can obviously start with the summer and, you know, the summer where, was where the, you know, the real big guns came in, the, the two boys from Man City, Jesus and Zinchenko, the impacts that they've had. I don't, I can't see Man City selling another first team player to us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in recent year, in the next few years, because I don't think Pep Guardiola would have thought that we, that just by giving those two players to us, we'd become title challenges and above them for by a good few points. I don't think Arsenal fans would have anticipated it as well, but such is the impact that they've made. And 
obviously it's not just their their technical quality, but it's their mentality as well. Like I'm sure um, your fans have seen uh, loads of videos of Zinchenko when he's been celebrating mm. at the Emirates. He does go a bit over the top at times, but um, he you know he loves to win. He whoever he's playing for, he's I think he's won four Premier League titles at Man City, and he loved. You can tell he loves to win and he desperately wants this for us as well. Um, and Jesus, we we missed him for three or four months um, through injury. And although we did cope well in that period when the likes of Vinketia came in, Trossard up front, um, just the impact that he had, that he has, the, the, you know, the first... You know, start back against Leeds in the Premier League. He bags two goals. He gets the penalty. Um, he wins it completely by himself, by his own work. Um, magical feet in the box, and Ailing ended up, you know, with a rash tackle on him, and he converts the penalty. And um, the second goal was brilliant link-up play with with Trossard, who uh, deserves, as you said, deserves a special mention as well. Um, Famously, we missed out on another target of ours in uh, Michaela Mudrick, who is taking time to set, settle in at Chelsea, of course. But Trossard's, you know, already the finished article, and um, and you can tell. I think he's I think he's got seven assists already for us, <laughs> and he only joined in January, um, which is exceptional, really. Um, he is a player that can be relied on that can come in for that front three um, when needed Saka, Jesus, Martinelli but you know he's done so well that there's even a debate among Arsenal fans at the moment about whether he should start at Anfield on Sunday and if he starts who should who should he come in for <laughs> because over Martinelli you're thinking maybe maybe, maybe mm. Martinelli but Martinelli's on such good form <laughs> as well and he, Martinelli did so well at the Emirates and um, but Jesus has got two goals. Saka was um, was ill, so he could only start on the bench against Leeds. So he's more fresh now. You know, there's an argument for all of them, but th- this is exactly what we wanted as as fans. We want Arteta to have this selection headache. You know, where he can choose, um, pick and choose who he wants um, in certain positions. And Trossard has made that very difficult for him, of course. Um, scored the hat trick at Anfield for Brighton as well, so he's got past past there. But um yeah, Trossard um there's a case for him arguably being the best, you know, January signing um of the window. If we go on to win the league, I don't think many would question the impact that Trossard's had on that. And of course you've got to mention uh Jorginho um who's come in and crucially done well for party who has been injury prone for us in the past and hasn't always been relied upon in terms of regular minutes. Um, and Jorginho has just brought that calmness, that experience. Again, um, somebody who's won who's won trophies in his career as well, something that a lot of these Arsenal players haven't. Um, and you know, I can't imagine the um, the sort of um, impact he he would have in the dressing room. You know, him, Zinchenko, Jesus, they must all, you know, lift the other players by 10, 15% with, um, you know, their, their will to win. And you can say, you can see these signings are really starting to drive 
drive us through and and yeah I'd say in terms of having the most impact I'd say you know Trossard's got to be up there and the two Man City boys as well you can't ignore them. Yeah it's a weird one with Trossard because I think I mean obviously the as you mentioned the club was targeting Mudrik and he could yet you know prove to to settle into the Premier League but he was always going to take a little bit of time given the league he was coming from and sort of the stage he's at in his career and I think actually when you're in a title charge uh, and you're going to make a signing in the January window, what you do want is someone who you know who's a little bit further along in their career who, who can come in, can make that instant impact. And I think there's some parallels for for Liverpool last season were uh, was obviously the signing of Luis Diaz and him, him coming in. I, I felt that was a, a really good move because it, it gave Liverpool, who were looking a little bit tired towards that period of the season, that injection of sort of energy and quality and somebody who's coming in with... Uh, a desire to prove themselves in a team, hungry, and, and that just, if teams are getting a little bit fatigued by the chase, that just helps, you know, freshening up the dressing room in that way. And I think Jorginho as well, a player who has won it all, uh, and, you know, despite sort of, I think how he divides, divides fans, I think is, is somebody that in, in the right system can still contribute a hell of a lot. And I think you've seen, you've seen that at times with, uh, with his performances this season. And I did want to just bring up a little bit. I suppose one dampener on the season has been, um, you know, going out uh, of uh, the of of Europe in the way in which you did um, uh, at home on 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 penalties, of course. But I thought that was a really competitive competitive game actually uh, with Sporting. Uh, just uh, in terms of your thoughts on on the European campaign, obviously the league is the priority, and then I guess your thoughts on. What's guaranteed now? Getting back into the Champions League next season for the first time in a long time. Uh, I mean, sort of must be sort of wetting your appetite for some of the clashes you can have in the future. Oh yeah, of course. Um, ask any Arsenal fans' goal at the start of the season. It would have been just to get back in the Champions League. We weren't expecting a, t- a title charge this season, but now that we have had a title charge. I think the Europa League, to be honest, has always been second priority to that. Um, so I wasn't completely, you know, gutted that we did go out because as you said, it was a very competitive game. Sporting played very, very well um over the two legs. I think they've got Juventus in the next round. Um and I wouldn't put past them to beat Juventus over two legs. They are a very good side as are a lot of the sides in Portugal at the moment, hence why, you know, the Premier League are buying all their players because, you know, they're they're doing so well um out there. And yeah, the Europa League, um, I think the main thing for us was giving players minutes um that wouldn't usually get minutes in the Premier League because we had such a settled side, you know, likes of Kieran Tierney, for example, has played a lot in the Europa League and has got those crucial minutes. Um, when Zinchenko can have a rest and um, plays like Rob Holding, who who might play at Anfield um, in, if Saliba's absent, but um, Holding's got a lot of minutes in the Europa League as well. Um, Fabio Vieira, another one who's done very well in the Europa League actually, and um, but hasn't quite done it to the extent in the Premier League that he's pushing, you know, Martin Erdegaard's place, for example, but. All of these players. This is why you. This is why you have a squad because all of these players need minutes and need time on the pitch so that when they are called upon, 
like the likes of Holding has been in recent games and might do at Anfield, they at least have that um, experience and that those minutes on the pitch to help them um, in terms of future fixtures for when you know their counterparts are, are injured and, and ill and whatnot. So, yeah, for the European campaign, I think it's when you know once we got out of the group stage and we sort of realised we're you know we're in a title race here. I think it's always been second priority, but of course, you know, we would rather go go all the way and win it because, you know, Arsenal famously haven't won their major European trophy and um, it would have given us a good opportunity to. Um, but at the same time, the Premier League's always been a priority. And, you know, we're in the chip Well, It looks like we're going to be in the Champions League next season by a miraculous downfall, but... um, I think you can say that, yeah. I think you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're Champions League next season, first time in six or seven years, which is unheard of for Arsenal. Arsene Wenger famously um, got us in the top four for 20 seasons in a row, which was, you know, on reflection... um, is a, was a very very good achievement. Um, something he didn't get a lot of credit for. But uh, um, yeah, the Champions League next season, it'll be a lot of these players' first times in the Champions League as well. Like uh, Bukayo Saka, for example, it's his first time in the Champions League, and I can just imagine him taking him, especially taking it with both arms, and you know, expressing himself against you know, some of the best left backs in the world and. Yeah, um, whether we whether we be good enough to win the Champions League next season, I don't know. It it will largely depend on this summer and in terms of who we can bring in as recruits to bolster bolster that squad up. But um, yeah, just just being in the Champions League next season is going to be exciting for sure. Yeah, no, I was, I was sort of half joking with some of uh, my Arsenal supporting friends that I. I'm almost looking forward to the moment where Arsenal draw Bayern Munich uh, over two legs again. It almost, almost feels like it's uh, it just has to happen based upon sort of what Arsenal uh, were used to actually in the Champions League. And but I mean, these are the contests you want to be in. There's, uh, I think as well, Champions League, um, the way in which teams play. There's, I mean, so many teams that are used to being the best teams in their league. They're, they're going to attack. They're going to leave space. And there's so many players in the Arsenal side that you think can can exploit that the way in which you. You play, so I think that's it's it's very well deserved. It's sort of long overdue as well. So I think it's going to be be exciting to see Arsenal back in the Champions League and ha- have some different matchups there as well. And uh, you know, by all means, be our guest if you want to take on Real Madrid um, over the next couple of uh, Champions League uh, tournaments. Because I'm pretty much uh, I've told the listeners on this pod many many times I'm I'm okay not to see them uh, again for for quite a while. To be honest, given sort of the way in which they seem to be like zombies when it comes to European football. You mentioned there a little bit, um, you know, the success in tournaments like that, the continued success is still going to be dependent on, you know, the, the business that's done, uh, following the season. And I just wanted to ask you, I suppose, uh, if, if there are positions already in your mind that you think, you know, these are the areas where the, the side needs to reinforce if we're going to actually continue to be in that conversation around the title competitive in Europe actually be able to do both because obviously that's one of the big challenges that comes with Champions League football is you know competing in the league alongside uh, European competition so what are those areas that you think I mean is it is it already apparent what you, th- you think those areas that need, the club needs to bolster 
Um, I don't think we need to do that much, to be, to be honest. I think our squad's, you know, quality in all areas. But I think it is just adding maybe two or three um, just to really bolster it. Because at times this season, while, you know, we have kept a lot of our first team fit, um, you know, others have been injured for long periods, like Jesus, Zinchenko at the start of the season, Thomas Partey's always been in and out, um, and a few others as well. So just extra cover in those positions and maybe one or two to sort of push those first teams as well. The, the main sort of um, person that we've been linked with, according to all the papers, is Declan Rice from West Ham, um, who... I think would be a brilliant signing personally. I think um, aside from his ability on the ball, which would you know fit perfectly in our team, it's his character as well and his work great fits into an Arteta style style of play. And um, he'd be, I think he would be a player that the majority of Arsenal fans would be excited to see. Um, and while Party and Xhaka have, have been exceptional this season, um, as you know, Liverpool have sort of learnt the hard way that you know those legs don't go on forever, and once you turn, once you hit thirty and go into those thirties, um, it's time to freshen up, really, if you want to stay at the top. And you know, Declan Rice, I think he's twenty-three, I'd like to say, and he could be a mainstay in that midfield for the next few years. So, um, in terms of who we've been linked with, I think Declan Rice would be. The priority signing obviously wouldn't come cheap either, so we wouldn't be able to do much business, much more business outside of that. Um, there have been rumours of one or two leaving. Um, I think Tierney's probably the most high-profile player um, who's been linked with a move away from the Emirates. And to be honest, I can't, you know, I don't blame him because he doesn't get many minutes in the in the Premier League at, um, ahead of Sinchenko and you know he's a quality quality left back and he he would start for most teams in the Premier League when he's fit um, and he has kept himself fit this season and he's probably you know ruining it because you know he has been in very injury prone in the past and the one season he does keep himself fit he can't get a regular run in the team but We've got to, I think, as Arsenal, if we want to compete at the very top, we've got to try and persuade these players to stay as well as you know, bringing players in. I think that's really important, keeping players like Tierney, um, who, yes, is a backup player, but is a quality backup player. Um, so, yeah, I think as well as bringing people in, you know, like Rice, Maybe another, maybe another forward. Um, we've got uh, following Balogun out on loan at the moment. He's doing very well in League One with Reims. Um, the, the you know famous Twitter meme of Will Still. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's doing very well at the moment. Um, he's up right up there with the top scorers in League One, um, and he could come in as another option up front. And <laughs> we. <laughs> As well as bringing players in, we've got you know we've got some decent young players coming through on loan as well. We've got Charlie Pettino in midfield, who's done well at Blackpool this season in the Championship. Could come in, come come another squad player. Um, got Norton Cuffey, he's a right back. You could come in. We've got 
Um, Austin Trusty at Birmingham is, an, is another centre-back, left, left-footed, left-footed centre-back. Although we've already got Gabriel and we've signed Kivior as well. You know, we, we've got loads of options. I, I don't think we need to do too much business personally, although I wouldn't say no to Declan Rice. Um, but I think um, it's going to be important to keep those squad players at the club as well and have that real strength in depth. Yeah, and I've seen as well sort of Wilshire talking or sort of waxing lyrical about some of the talents that he's he's having the privilege of coaching as well uh, in the under 18s. I think there's uh, Miles Lewis Skelly is, is seems to be the one that seems is getting the most acclaim at the moment as well. So exciting to see those talents coming through as well and coming through in, in an environment where there's you know there's not undue pressure on them as well. I think that's one thing that I've rude a little bit this season is uh, obviously I think one of the high points for Liverpool is was seeing the. Uh, emergence of uh, Stefan Bacicic in in midfield looks like a real talent in terms of the ability that he has and uh, hopefully he can just keep training with Thiago for the next couple of years and learn as much as he can but uh, unfortunately that was like a case of too much too soon for a player of that age you know, rather than being sort of you know, gradually um, integrated into the side which I think Arsenal are, are in a position to do with some of those some of those talents across the next couple of uh, seasons for sure but um i suppose then like it comes to focusing on the game itself then uh for for sunday as you mentioned uh you know, a lot's been made of you know, arsenal's record at at anfield um i mean that's certainly certainly something i'm clinging to for for, for the weekend uh it hasn't been very good uh and i think actually uh, you know, the vast majority of the fixtures that we've had there over the past um long while now it's it's it's, it's been something that arsenal fans have tended to dread you mentioned at the start of the pod you know, given the the mood Arsenal fans are in, given the performances, the form that the team is in, you're coming into every game full of confidence. And even a trip away to to Liverpool, it used to be you know more of an anxious one. Given where Liverpool are this season, uh, and you, you know, even just looking at the results as well, I mean, like they haven't won in four, uh, three losses back to back. I mean, absolutely appalling loss to Bournemouth to be honest. After winning seven 0 against United. Uh, pretty drab game against Real Madrid, where it was pretty much non-entity, 1-0. And then, of course, that 4-1 defeat to, to City. And I think what was worrying for me, if, if I'm honest, was the, the Chelsea game, that, that, that draw in, in midweek. Really, if, if, if Chelsea had anything about them in, in terms of ability to put the ball in the back of the net, that could have been a similar scoreline to Manchester City, to be honest. I think that Liverpool really, really not, um, the structure of the side not stable at all at the moment, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend. One glimmer looks like it's um, Tiago has returned to, to fitness. Luis Diaz probably a little bit too soon for him, is what was what we've been told. But Tiago could feature, and that's probably the best thing Liverpool can do to their midfield before the end of the season, where they they have to make some signings. But aside from that, uh, it's you imagine Salah, it's going to be Nunez and uh, maybe Gakpo, a combination for me. You know, they're all fit. Jota's there as well, who obviously has history with Arsenal. But I was going to ask you, I mean, what, what are you expecting in terms of the approach? You know, this is this has been a fixture that's been tricky in the past for for Arsenal, but you know, you need to win, and given well, you don't need to win, but like you you would very much like to win, keep ahead of City. Um, you're in top form. Uh, are, are we to expect Arteta is going to rock up and and go for it? I think so. Yeah. Um, very very rarely does Arteta, you know, change his philosophy and his his style of play. I think he will go 
and approach Anfield like he has done every single game this season and really try and dominate you know, possession, dominate that midfield um, that has been Liverpool's weakness this season and really, really go at Liverpool in terms of our pressing as well and our energy, something that Liverpool have been renowned for over the years is something that we that Arsenal are doing right now. It's not just our work on the ball, our, you know, our technical ability, it's our work off the ball as well. Our, our work rate is is right up there with some of the best teams in the league. And um, <laughs> I, I'd like to say I am confident. I, I am confident for the game, um, despite, you know, the recent results that we have had there. But I would, I would, approach it with a little bit of caution just because Liverpool are a funny side um you, you know you you'll know that you Liverpool fans will know that there are some games where you could turn up and be the old Liverpool and you know blitz other teams like that 7-0 against Man United where I don't think even the most optimistic of Liverpool fans would have predicted that to happen at that time and you know if Liverpool go anywhere near their best, you know, to know some past past performances of last season, then it will be a very difficult game for us. And, you know, as as good of a and a talented talented of a squad we are, um, we are still a very young squad as well and, you know, we're sort of learning on the job here. This is, you know, the first title race for a lot of players in this squad and you know, these are the sort of games where normally te- some teams could crumble under the, the pressure of the Anfield lights and the crowd. And I always maintain that Anfield, despite Liverpool's form this season, for me is the most difficult uh, place, difficult ground to go to. Maybe not just in the Premier League, but in world football because of how intimidating it can be. Those fans are on you from minute one and... Um, a lot of pundits, you know, say the same thing as well. So we will be favourites going into the game. I think Arteta will approach it the same way. We're going to try and try and dominate the ball. We're going to create chances from out wide. We're going to press from the front. You know, use all our energy. But you know, we've got to be a bit cautious as well because it it might just depend on what Liverpool turn up. Really, I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it's, it's, 
It is an interesting one because I think from what I've seen this season, I mean, there there hasn't been a game where I've, I've, I've thought, oh, that's that's Liverpool of of old. Even despite some of those big wins, I think it's generally what we've seen. I think certainly in the United one was when you put people in the midfield who can run alongside someone like Fabinho who can still do some of the defensive work when he's got the support um, from time to time, even though he has had struggles this season, then they look, they look closer. They look closer to sort of their old selves. And we have also noticed, I have to have to say that there's been a couple of games where some of the bigger players in Liverpool's squad seem to be, be getting themselves up for the big games. Uh, cause they can still sort of get their adrenaline going for those Van Dyke being one of them that's more, more notable. Not against City, obviously, but I think there has had been big games this season where he's, he's, he's put in real big performances. Salah, the same as well. Uh, out of interest, I mean, if, 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 if there is any apprehension around Liverpool and, uh, the, this weekend's game, I mean, are, are there particular players that you, that, that you think were still pose the biggest risks? Is, is it, is it the likes of Mo? Is it, Jota, even though he's not scored for a year, is it just like, is it just fate that it's going to be against Arsenal? Who, who are the players that you think could uh, or do cause you concern? Well, you know, those two players you mentioned for different reasons, really. You know, Mo, Mo Salah's still world class. Like, he might not be up to, you know, his real peak powers this season, but, you know, he's still got, I think, 12 goals in the league, uh, Mo Salah, you know. He's, yeah. Twenty something, twenty something, all, all competitions. Like yeah, twelve odd assists. He's not, yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> it's it's not bad at all for a wide player in a struggling side um, this season, or a side not up to their usual standards. So Mo Salah is always going to be a threat. And like we mentioned earlier, with um, Zinchenko moving forward into midfield, that they're the sort of spaces that Mo Salah might get a little bit of joy from. Um, He's, you know, Salah's very, very good in tight spaces, but if you give him a little bit of space in the edge of the box, he, you know, he's got that wand of a left foot. He can always put one in the top corner. He's very, very capable of that. And of course, Jota is <laughs> a nightmare for some Arsenal fans because he, he loves scoring against us, not just for Liverpool, but um, I think he got a couple for Wolves as well. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, he's just one of those players that has a habit um, of scoring against certain teams, and one of them is us. So I will be hoping that Jota's not on that team sheet with Salah. And I think. Hasn't scored in a year, though. Hasn't scored in a year. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal. You know? <laughs> like, it, it would be fate. Um, and I think, I think one more play you've probably got to mention, I think, is um, someone who's been, I like to say, quite underrated, I think, by probably fans outside of Liverpool's probably Darwin Nunez. Um, yeah. I think he gets quite a lot of stick from um, fans outside of, outside of Liverpool. And um, while he, you know, he does miss the odd chance and he was at the start of the season, I think it's not just the goals that he brings. It's his overall play is, is scary at times. I'll be honest. Like his pace is, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd watch clips of him uh, when he was playing for Benfica, and, uh, especially in the Champions League, and you know, he looked like a monster you know, with you know all, all the goals that he was scoring. But one thing I didn't realise about him is how quick he actually is on his feet. I didn't realise he he was that fast. Like he's lightning, and you know, Arsenal like to play a high line, and although Liverpool do too, it. 
you know, it could, it could be a place, you know, those over-the-top through balls, especially if Saliba's not playing. If Rob Holding's playing there um, and Darwin Nunez, you know, sort of matches up against him, there's only one winner in the foot race. So, you know, we might have all of the ball, but if if Liverpool can get their counter-attacks right um, and, you know, you can get Nunez in behind, I think we could have problems there. So, not just Salah and, and Jota, but, you know, Nunez as well. And that, that could well be the front three on Sunday. And then, you know, we might have a problem there. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see sort of where, where Nunez uh, lines up, actually, because I think I, sometimes you see him on the wing, um, so on, on, on the left wing, as you mentioned. He, he is lightning, actually. He's quicker than I thought he was He was as well when he's, since he's joined and we've seen more of him this season. Uh, but I do I always prefer him centrally, just I think of this... He's been one of the high points for for Liverpool fans this season because even in games where there's it's been drab, it's been depressing. I think he's, he's very much a chaos agent in terms of sort of how he plays. So he always he always creates something, and yeah, I mean, he's probably going to get to the end of the season. If, if things go well for him, he'll probably get to twenty goals. He's on fourteen right now in all comps, and that's very much not not bad at all uh, for a first season in in the Premier League, especially for a side that's sort of been misfiring the way in which Liverpool have been. So. Yeah, interesting to hear you to hear you highlight Nunez because I think you're right. There's a lot of a lot of banter accounts online and things like that that try and deride him, but I think he's he's actually he's actually had a pretty good season considering how dysfunctional a side he's 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 found himself in. So I'm looking forward to seeing him next season really in a side that's hopefully more stable, more has got more about it, and he can can really impose himself but I think you're right there you don't have to be a tactical genius to think well if we can do you know, balls over the top quick you know quick counter attacks this guy can get away from people so I think it's gonna yeah it'll be interesting to see the way in which he is he is deployed and Gakpo of course is a whole new uh sort of um, thing to contend with as well in terms of his technical ability and some of the things he can do looks like he's trying to do some of Bobby Firmino's old work as well. So it's, yeah, it'd be interesting to see sort of how we line up because could could include him just to bolster the midfield by dropping dropping back a little bit. But I think there's yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole variety of things that could happen this weekend. But I'm expecting it to be an eventful one. It's not going to be goalless. I think we, I think we can uh, be sure of that. I don't think it's going to be like the Chelsea Liverpool game, which was yeah, very unlucky to be goalless as well. But as we wrap up, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Adam. I mean, I guess then expectations for the rest of the season if, if like where, where's your heads at where's your head at where's your heart at at this uh at this stage oh that's it it's a really tricky one to be honest um i've said this quite a few times but um i don't like to make you know predictions of <laughs> you know, us winning <laughs> us winning the league because i know i can get heartbroken and um and i might not always be right but I'd say, if I can, I'd, I'd I'd wait until that Man City game. I think that Man City game will right. tell a lot. Because um, the gap's eight points at the moment, but City do have that game in hand. And there's two games before that City game, I think, including our, our one at Anfield. And then we go to West Ham, I believe. And City have got Southampton, um, bottom of the league. Um, they'll be big favourites on current form. Um, to win that, so any slip up at Anfield from us, and it you know allows Man City back in. And I think um, one of the Sky pundits made a good point that if um, if 
uh, we drop points at Anfield, suddenly it become the title's in City's hands because you know, they can they can gain the three points on us by beating us at the Etihad. So it just goes to show the fine margins um, up against you know such you know a dominator in Man City. Anyone who finishes above them in any season these days has done very well and will probably win the league. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't like to make sort of tight predictions until, you know, we, we actually play them. But if I'm sort of, I, I'd like to say I'm on the fence. I'm very, very 50-50 at the moment. Um, if we go to Anfield and win and win convincingly, like we, we are capable of doing at this moment in time. And knowing that it has been a bogey ground for us and, you know, knowing that it is one of our most difficult fixtures left on paper, then I think the belief, you'll see the belief around London, um, North London and the Emirates and even in, you know, Sky Pundits and stuff, as much as Gary Neville will want to deny it and, and, and whoever else, um, I think will be, will, will be favourites for the title. Um, but yeah, um, this game coming up on Sunday is a massive, massive, massive game for Arsenal. And um, here's hoping, here's hoping we can do it. But we know our past hoodoos and our past jinxes and stuff. And we won't go into that game lightly, lightly. But if we do win that game, then it is really game on. And then we can really look forward to that game at the Etihad, where I think we'll need we'll need a at least a three-point buffer going into that game because Man City are are capable of going there and beating us like they did at the Emirates. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for the neutral, I'm sure. No doubt. Yeah, I think it's very much going to be that way. And I think uh, certainly from watching Arsenal this season, I mean, do, been doing all the correct things. Like, like there's, I do find it very difficult to dislike the players and the team. I think there's a whole bunch of real talented, great sort of... Um, enthusiastic young like exciting players there uh, part of the team as well so it's really only my uncle uh, in the whatsapp group who's making it difficult for me to for me to root for us <laughs> he's he's a, he's a one-man band in that in that respect but adam thank you so much for coming on uh and giving us all your insight into this this roller coaster of a season that you've been on but it's a it's the best kind of journey to be on as a fan base and certainly can say that as a liverpool fan over the past few years but yeah thank you thanks so much again for coming on Oh, thank you so much as well. And I enjoyed the one um, at the Emirates. Um, mm. Nine, because we won the game. But, um, you know, this time round, um, it's going to be a lot trickier, Anfield. I, I think you Liverpool fans are in a bit of a dark place at the moment. But I'd still, you know, I'd still be confident for you guys that you can get something because mm. historically you have and... You know, you, you do still have those capabilities for me of, of bringing out a big result. So it's not going to be easy at all for us. But of course, we will go into that game favourites and hopefully the three points come back to North London. Yeah, and no, I honestly wouldn't, would not be surprised at all if Liverpool pulled it off, <laughs> given how this season has been. It's, yeah, it has been, 
has been one that's very much like that. And then we go to what leads afterwards, probably lose that, uh, not your forest as well. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But uh, for all those who've been listening to Rival Recon, uh, this season, it's been a different season. This, I think, uh, I, th- I think we can say that with, uh, with, with quite a lot of confidence tuning into these pods week in, week out. Really appreciate you listening, even despite some of the, you know, the poor results or some of the repetitive performances. Really do appreciate everyone listening. And there will be another Rival Recon ahead of the game away to Leeds on the 17th as well. So, uh, yeah, check in on, on that for then. And, and, and there will also be a whole great number of pods that are coming out over the week, uh, looking at sort of, if there is anything new to analyze about Liverpool at this stage in the season, or, or perhaps we're already thinking ahead to next season, the summer window, how we can rebuild this site. So do check out all those pods as well. But like I said, there'll be another episode of Rival Recon ahead of that game against Leeds on the 17th. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.